<sighs> okay. Oh my goodness. Hello, everybody. Uh, I just spent the last 10 minutes trying to figure out my stupid audio. Uh, well, for the first five minutes, completely my fault. My mic just wasn't plugged in. So whatever. But then the second half, it just, it wasn't recording. And I'm not good at this. I don't know what to do. It's just me here sitting in my room without a shirt on. But we finally got it figured out. And we're doing good. <laughs> so welcome back, everybody, to a completely unique and original true crime podcast. I'm Eli, and this is Murder in the Morning. I know I already just ranted a little bit, but is it just me or are the majority of New England drivers absolutely horrendous? I can't tell if it's actually the drivers here or just clueless people wandering in from surrounding states. Either way, I thought driving through Minneapolis was bad or Chicago was frustrating, but my God, the people on the roads out here. And I don't mean to come at anybody. I just happened to be T-Bone last month driving through a green light in the middle of town. And the same exact thing almost happened this morning. So I apologize. I just needed to get that off my chest and vent, uh, vent to you for a minute. So I appreciate that. Do you know what else is extremely frustrating to me? Cold cases. More than anything else, excluding loud eaters and wet snoring, cold cases irk me to my core. Like when I have the option of crime stories to choose from, uh, to choose from, excuse me, I hardly ever find myself immersed in cold cases. Recently, I was doing a little bit of reading on why we as humans are so compelled by true crime. Um, and according to BBC Science Focus magazine, quote, it's in our nature to be highly attuned to the criminal misdemeanors. And we instinctively want to discover the who, what, when, and where so we can find out what makes criminals tick and to better protect ourselves and our kin, end quote. And apparently this even goes back thousands of years to our hunter-gatherer days when we were just wee little babies. And that definitely makes sense. I feel like I've always taken a little bit more rudimentary approach as to why I personally love true crime and not so much the cold case aspect of it. You see, I enjoy a good story. And what does a good story have? A beginning, a middle, and an end. Obviously, that's essentially the most basic characteristic of a good story. We all know that. But cold cases hardly ever have an ending. It leaves me wanting, needing more from the presenter. Even when it seems like the investigators have all the puzzle pieces, there's nothing to show for it or when the killer is clear to us as listeners or viewers, but the law restricts action, restricts action due to lacking evidence or body. Like, every week I look forward to listening to another episode of my favorite murder or the morbid pod, but when I see the topic is a cold case, I'm slightly hesitant to press that play button, which personally I hate. I wish I wasn't like that, because I know these cases are just as important, if not more, than the satisfyingly solved ones. 
And I know there are a lot of other people out there who feel the exact same way as me. So, in honor of you today, I bring you the now-solved cold case of Sherry Black. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have sources, obviously, but I can I spaced on writing them down, um, so they will be in my show notes, but not here. Anyways, let's begin. Up until 2010, Sherry and Sherry and Earl Black lived a pretty normal life. In fact, I imagine her and Earl kind of living, and you'll see why, as the cute old couple from the movie Up. Unfortunately, both women having left this earth a little bit too soon. And apart from tragically losing her son in a car accident years ago in 1989, it appeared as if Sherry was happy. Uh, she'd been a stay-at-home mom for the majority of her life in Salt Lake City, Utah. She raised a strong and successful daughter, Heidi, um, now Heidi Miller, and helped her husband Earl out with his pool table business, B&W Billards, which I think genuinely rolls so nicely off the tongue. And even after the tragic passing of her son, Sherry endured. She channeled this anger and grief into a passion, eventually turning part of the billiards, billiards store, I hope I'm saying that right, the pool table store, into a successful bookshop, uh, which had specialized in rare and religious Mormon writings. Being from Utah, their family was Mormon. And her daughter Heidi remembered, quote, it just came so naturally to her. She learned to spot valuable text and slowly get good at it, end quote. It almost seemed like she was becoming whole again. I can't even imagine the, to begin the healing process after a loss of that magnitude, but Sherry did it, and she built a life she could be proud of twice. Unfortunately, this same passion that may have saved her ultimately doomed her. On the crisp, wintry morning of November 30th, 2010, everything was once again ripped away from Sherry. That morning, Earl had left for a meeting, and her daughter Heidi went to drop her kids off at school and then head home to do some laundry and other chores around the house. Meanwhile, Sherry opened up her bookshop like any other normal day, and according to the CBS News article I was reading, Heidi had tried calling her mother a few times that morning just to check up but hadn't received anything in return, which was strange for Heidi to say the least. As we humans do, Heidi had not immediately assumed the worst. She was probably thinking it was just a busy morning at the store, or maybe her mother was out running some unplanned errands. Either way, no alarm bells were going off just yet. Unfortunately, later that day, she received a phone call that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. Sometime roughly around 2 p.m. in the afternoon, Earl Black had reached out to Heidi and immediately told her, quote, your mother has been murdered. And yeah, I know that may seem blunt to a lot of people, and sure, it kind of is. But honestly, I don't see any other way to approach that conversation or to deliver that kind of news other than having the mindset of just ripping the bandaid off. No matter how you say it, it's horrible, and I feel so horrible for Heidi. First, she lost her brother, and now she has to deal with the loss of her mother. But what actually happened? Why was this 64-year-old 60, gem of a lady killed in cold blood? According to police reports, 
Earl Black had returned home in the early afternoon on November 30th when he'd found the body of his wife, quote, beaten and stabbed to death, end quote, in a back room of the shop. He proceeded to call police around 1.45 p.m. and then Sherry's daughter, Heidi, following that phone call, which I just told you about. The extent to which she was beaten and stabbed is not exactly clear, but from all accounts, it was a horrendous scene. At first look, investigators couldn't find any ulterior motives other than simply murder. There was still money in the register, no valuables had been taken, and rather than stealing from the crime scene, it appears that the murderer had actually decided to leave a few items. On the scene, on the scene, police found a partial fingerprint, a palm print, an Armani exchange belt, and even blood. So this brought hope for everyone involved. I myself would be thinking, we're going to catch this idiot. He was dumb enough to leave his clothes, uh, prints, and the blood at the scene. Easy. Unfortunately, this was quite the opposite of what ensued. CBS reported that police quickly determined that the blood was from a male, but when they ran the DNA through the FBI's um, CODIS, or Combined DNA Index System, they didn't get a match. And the same thing happened when they ran the fingerprints. No match. And quote, so the investigation slowed, end quote. And this is, you know, this is normally when, when things start to get very frustrating. It's 2010. We have blood, prints, clothes, and nothing to show for it. Months and months. No new no, no new news. Uh, obviously, the family stayed extremely, extremely hopeful in the years to come, but it got harder and harder. Heidi elaborated on this very subject in an interview, and she said, quote, I immediately thought we'll catch this guy, but 18 months later, she calls the lack of process very frustrating. She even remembers she used to call L Lieutenant Ruth at least once a week, and then she started not calling anymore. She said, quote, it's too draining to call him all the time and hear the same thing. Is there any news? No. Any news? No. Any news? No. So do you see? Do you see why I can't stand cold cases? Just researching the story, even with the knowledge of how it all plays out, it still pains me for Heidi and Earl. I mean, they just, they must be some of the strongest people out there. This would actually eat me alive. But even without any honest progress in the case, the family stayed active and investigators didn't seem to forget about Sherry. Heidi and her husband, Greg, their family came together to create a website called sherryblackinfo.com, and this just offered details of the crime, a tip line, as well as a $50,000 reward for any information leading to, <clears throat> leading to the arrest of Sherry's killer. So at the time, Greg Miller, Heidi's husband, he was actually serving as CEO of the Utah Jazz, a professional basketball team. So his parents, Larry and Gail, they had actually been owners um, or previous owners for quite some years. So their family was pretty well off. And whether or not this played into the story much, it's nice to see that the family had the means to keep Sherry's death in the spotlight. And they, they continued to use their personal resources for the case in hopes of helping investigators come closer to the truth. Try as they might. Try, try as they might, though, 
Try as they might, this case just started to freeze up. Years went by without any advances. Even when the FBI, F, what is happening? Even when the FBI involved themselves, there was nothing to tell Heidi or her family. And almost most heartbreaking, aside from losing Sherry, the bookstore eventually had to close just over a year later. I hope at least Earl was able to keep the pool table business or at least have that building for a place to hold memories. But it's sad to see the, the bookshop close. Anyways, Heidi would end up having to wait eight excruciating long years before any additional burst of hope. And so in 2018, two major things happened. Number one, phenotyping exploded in popularity due to its importance in catching the Golden State Killer, as many of you know. So this is essentially, phenotyping is essentially using a person's DNA to develop information about what they could possibly look like. Although this has been around since the late 80s, technically, um, the new cycle in 2018 really helped shove it to the forefront and shine a spotlight on phenotyping. And number two, Detective Ben Pender became heavily involved in Sherry's case. So Pender... He began, as he would any other investigation, even eight years later, by interviewing family members and canvassing the surrounding neighborhood. But at the same time, he also happened to reach out to a phenotyping company, Parabon, which was familiar to me, at least a little bit, and I'm sure a few of you have heard of that. So they used the DNA found at the scene of the crime, developed a composite sketch of what the killer could possibly look like now and back then, and sent this around to different media outlets. And although police received many tips um, in response to this photo, none of them led to any actual arrests, unfortunately. Pender had no intention of slowing down. He knew he was headed in the right direction here. This DNA would be the key to the case. Parabon, around the same time, began to work with genealogists from all over the place to help solve crimes. And this was something Pender was already a, a little bit familiar with. In the, uh, the Salt Lake Tribune, he was quoted as saying, quote, Growing up, my mother was a genealogist. And he became very familiar with the study of ancestry, end quote. So soon, Parabon had paired Pender, I love these, Parabon paired Pender with his own personal genealogist. And these two together worked tirelessly for over two and a half years in search of Sherry's killer and Pender's team. Um, it wasn't just him alone. As to how they did this, I'm going to try to explain it first, and then I'll let the detective Pender explain the rest. So first off, I was curious about the legality of it. Since sites like 23andMe or Ancestry are private labs and private companies, Investigators simply can't take the information they need from them. So basically, the genealogist was allowed to provide Pender with only the names of people that have had their DNA tested with the company. Nothing else. No information about them other than they simply have done a test. Then, Pender and his team would have to individually contact each one of these people, explain what they were working on, and essentially ask them a favor. They would approach them and say, hey, could you please upload your DNA, this information you received from private company X, 
and upload this to a public company such as GED, uh, GED Match. And it seems like for the most part, people were friendly and helpful. Not many too, not, not too many people had something to hide. So that's kind of the overview of how they did that. But as to how this actually works, I'll let Pender explain that in a much more magnificent way. Quote, the best way I can describe it is you have this very large tree and several different branches on a particular tree. So we needed to figure out which branch of which tree was going to lead us to the person who may have had involvement in this case. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. They spent a lot of time on it and worked very hard and contacted hundreds and hundreds of people. But essentially, from here, uh, Detective Pender and his team could use the public database to access all of the willing participants' information. And finally, after nearly 10 years of investigation, Pender got a match. Adam Durborough. 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 It's D-U-R-B-O-R-O-W. Durborough. I'm going to go with that. Anyways, that October, almost exactly a decade later, police tracked down Adam at a Walmart where he was currently working. And before 9.30 that morning, Sherry Black's killer was finally in custody. This scumbag was quick to fold. And I mean, I can see why. This was Pender's opening statement to Adam during the first interview. Quote, the reason you're here today is because of the Sherry Black case. We don't have you here because we're wondering if you did it or not. I know you did it, okay? I've been working this for five years. It's not about the who. It's about the why. End quote. And like I said, he folded quickly, admitted to it, and then um, he went on to say, uh, Adam went on to say this, quote, I went into the bookstore. I had no intention at all to do anything. It was a bookstore. I love books. I don't know why this happened. End quote. So that's it. That is all this man had to say on his behalf, that he loved books and he didn't know why he killed a sweet old woman. What a loser. Other than this, um, Adam Durborough only had a few more cowardly statements for the police. When asked if he regretted his actions or what he was doing those 10 years or what was going through his mind as he watched this case, from his couch, you know, and he said, quote, every now and then, most of the time, I just honestly, I pretended it wasn't me. Just what a bitch. Like, way to go, buddy. Push it all the way down. Forget about it. Not your problem now. After it was all said and done, nearly a year later since his arrest or after his arrest, Adam pleaded guilty to the murder of Sherry Black in November of 2010. And it, 2010. 20, 2020. Excuse me. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, thankfully. However, we can't forget that this guy did spend 10 years as a free man after brutally taking the life of another. I just want to take a quick second here and share what I think is a keynote from Heidi Miller herself after a decade of living this nightmare. She said, quote, 
Give yourself permission to feel all of the feels. It's rough and nobody can teach you or tell you how to go through that. After a couple of years, I had to find joy again. I had to re-engage in life by finding something good from the bad. That's helped me heal, end quote. And I just think that's important to keep in mind for anyone who's struggling with a loss of their own or any other heartbreak in their life at the moment. Heidi and her family have gone on since this to create the Sherry Black Foundation in honor of their lost family member. And this foundation's mission is to create safer communities by using our resources to remove barriers in the criminal justice system in order to advance investigations. And in fact, if you're interested in learning more about this case itself or how investigators are now using genealogy, phenotyping, and everything of the ancestral side um, to help solve crimes, there is a wonderful event happening either today or tomorrow, Thursday, April 27th from 7 to 9 p.m. And it's called The Bookstore Murder, A Journey for Justice. So essentially, it's a a two-hour panel and it'll be composed of experts and investigators who who assisted in Sherry's case themselves personally. A spokesperson for the event says that it's aimed at true crime enthusiasts and is designed to, quote, help educate the general public on the importance of becoming a genetic witness by uploading their DNA from family search websites to a separate site specifically accessible to genetic genealogists who help identify perpetrators of violent crime, end quote. I know that was a lot, but essentially they just want to educate people that if you put your DNA out there. If you've done nothing wrong, you might, in fact, help somebody close a cold case of their own miles and miles away from your own home. But anyways, you can get tickets to event attend this. I fucking can't talk. You can get tickets for this event online at arttickets.utah.edu. And all the proceeds from the event tomorrow or today will go directly to the Sherry Black Foundation. So there you have it, folks, a cold case not so personally thawed for your enjoyment. And I know I struggled through that story. For some reason, I could not talk today. So if you have any questions, if you were confused at any point, or if you have any words of hate, please send them my way. Bye.